one. Woo. I think all of you are new to Riverside Lisbon. You don't know when I say good evening or good morning. Is I expect something from you. Good evening. There you go. Good evening. It's good to be worshiping Jesus together. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, team, for preparing this special time for us to worship the Lord. It, um, I'm going to start the message way sooner than I, than I intended. But do you know that worship does not depend on how we feel? Worship should not depend on how I feel. Worship is giving the Lord the honor and the glory that his name deserves. So it has nothing to do with the way that we feel. And I don't know how you feel this evening, but we just had a beautiful time to worship the Lord. And after the message, we will continue to worship the Lord. And worshiping God, praising Him, declaring who He is, is the whole reason why we're here this evening. And we cannot praise Him enough. We cannot shout out His goodness and His grace and His kindness enough because He is worthy of our praise. And we could spend the whole day, we could spend the whole week just declaring how great is the Lord. Gabby, my wife, she was preaching this morning and she was um, talking about Revelation chapter 4 when the elders and the angels are all declaring night and day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, night and day. Can you imagine that? For centuries, for generations. I mean, I, I can't even sing for like 20 minutes without my voice being all this crooked. Imagine all of that for eternity. But that's what God deserves. And His presence is with us. And God is with us this evening. What a blessing it is. And we're very blessed to share this time with you. If you're new to Riverside, Lisbon, please make sure that uh, as you leave at the Information Center, speak. I think it's Lada who's going to be there. Lada is going to be there. So she can talk to you about everything that you need to know about the church, how to plug in, what are life groups, what is our WhatsApp groups. So everything you need, please make sure that you pass by the Information Center. And also, very important news, in, on August 6th, we're going to do our first baptisms for this summer. So if you haven't been baptized, okay, I mean, yes, hallelujah, we're going to the beach together. So, but we have people to baptize. If we didn't, we would all just go to the beach, but we have people to baptize. That's the greatest news. That's what brings us together. And so we're going to be together August 6th to celebrate that, that step that every believer should take in their life with the Lord. We're not baptized to be saved. We are baptized because we are saved through Jesus. So if you haven't taken that step of obedience to Christ's commandment, please do speak with us uh, at the end of the service. You can speak with Lauder. She can take your name and contact information and get back to us. It will be an honor, such an honor for us to celebrate that step with you. Uh, and those who are baptized, can they see a show of hands? Wasn't it one of the most beautiful, significant days of your life? Wasn't it? Amen. Amen. Okay, you're a bit shy this evening. I don't know what Barry did to you. I think you're a bit mellow. How great is our God? But we, we need to be. Are you here with me? Amen. Amen. Last week, we started this message series, From Here to There. And Dina will promptly put the slide. There you go. From Here to There. And it follows the journey of Israel from Egypt into the Promised Land. Now, it's on purpose that we're not going into so much detail about the story for two reasons. First, it's in the book of Exodus, 
and we should read the Bible, and we can and should read the book of Exodus in the Bible, okay? It's our responsibility to know the story, not just wait for a preacher to come and tell it all in a summary for us. So we read the Word of God. And secondly, last year, if you go to Spotify, to Riverside Lisbon Spotify, we did a whole message series on the book of Exodus on this exact story. So if you want to go into detail of the story itself, please do check that for us. So our focus here is in their journey. And the journey of the people of Israel is a journey of faith and sometimes the lack of faith. And our premise was that God is also taking us on a journey from here to there. And that can be a lot of different things of what it means to you, or what it means for me, because we all, God has different purposes and stories that he's telling with our lives. But all of us, what we have in common is that God has picked us up from wherever we were. And most of the times, and all, if not all times, it wasn't a good place. And God took us by next to him and he's telling a story of uh, redemption. And that's what we, we spoke about last week. That our journey with God is a journey of deliverance. And we read in Exodus chapter 3 verse verses 7 and 8, and we read this passage last week, and I want to remind you of this. God is telling Moses about the people of Israel. He said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of to a land in a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey so what happened with them it's exactly what is happening with us today what happened with the people of israel god is doing in our lives god is doing something beautiful in our lives god is also raising us up from the ashes we are also many times in such a place of suffering we also so many times we find ourselves in such a miserable place we have a past but we no longer have to live in the past We live with the present, in the present with our eyes set into the promises of God that we know for sure that will be fulfilled in our future. And these promises of God, they give us the stability in hard circumstances. These promises of God, they never leave us stagnant. They never leave us unfruitful. It will always produce and bear fruit in our lives. And today what we will see is that our journey from here to there is also a journey of worship our journey with the lord has all to do with worship let's read in exodus chapter 7 we have the verses on the screen if you have a a, an iphone with you or an android or whatever smartphone you use you can take the notes app i don't mind seeing you that you're in your phone i assume the best I assume that you're not texting anyone. I assume that you're taking notes from the message, okay? Let's make that deal. But feel free to use the Bible app as well, or if you have a physical Bible, open it up. But just for the sake of time, if you want to take notes and read, let us read together from the screen. So Exodus 7 verse 16 says, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to say, Let my people go, that they may worship me in the wilderness. The promise of God and what God was demanding to Pharaoh was freedom for his people. Let my people go so that they may worship me 
in the wilderness. So the goal of their deliverance, the goal of our deliverance, is always worship. Worshiping God, what does it mean? And I, I went again into research and the, trying to define what worship is. It's so hard. <laughs> There's not a complete and full sentence, but worshiping means valuing God. It means treasuring God. It means prizing Him, enjoying Him, being satisfied with Him above all earthly things. And as slaves in Egypt, because that is what was happening with the people of Israel, that's what, what, where they came from. They were slaves, so they were not fully free to worship God. They were not fully free to live for Him. And since always, God is committed in confronting everything and anything that comes between Him and His people. In God's love for us, he won't accept anything other than an obstacle-free relationship. Can I hear an amen? God is not interested when in our relationship with him, there's things, hidden things or hard things in the middle. Sometimes we experience that in our human relationships. Married couples, they frequently experience that. There's this conversation that they still need to have, but they're avoiding it because it's going to be uncomfortable and hard. God does not like that either. This is a story of the Bible, God redeeming his relationship with mankind. And we see that from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God, and God restored that relationship. Israel was sinning, and they lived outside of God's will. God kept on forgiving. Enemies were rising against his people. God was always bringing his people victory. And then for the ultimate act of redemption, God sends his son that said in the cross, it is finished. What is finished? The work of our redemption. The work of our deliverance. It is finished. And Romans chapter 8 says that nothing in the whole creation can separate you and me from the love of God. God is all in in our relationship with him. And he won't do half committed relationships. Now notice this. Our deliverance to be with God is not a ticket to heaven. We wish that would be the case many times. But God is not delivering us so that we can enter heaven and we say bye-bye earth, bye-bye our house in Pared or in Kishkaj or in downtown Lisbon, bye-bye all of our plans and all of our jobs and we're in heaven with God. That's not the goal of deliverance. Our deliverance happens first and foremost here on earth. And it's not by chance that we read in scripture that God delivered his people, the people of Israel in this case, to be with him where? In the wilderness. God delivered us to live with him in the wilderness. Could you think about a better place? I can think of a few. Sintra is quite nice this time of year. It's very fresh. The wilderness is an inhospitable place. It is where we experience brokenness. 
It's a place where we reach the end of ourselves. And it was exactly there that Israel, they experienced thirst. It's exactly that that they experienced pain and battles and sickness. But the wilderness is also the place where we can better see God being God in our lives. Exodus chapter 33 verse 14 says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Thank you, Laura. That was a great idea. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It wasn't a time of thirst in the wilderness that Moses struck the rock and water miraculously was provided. It was in the wilderness that as the enemies were still attacking, God told the people, stand still and I will fight for you. We, it's countless many, how many times God was explaining that his presence with his people in the wilderness was able to give them the rest that they needed. God powerfully demonstrated to his people how much he is worth. And that is the central issue, the central point of our worship. What is God worth? What is God worth for you? It's in fact the first primitive form of the word in English, worship, was worthship. Worship is worthship. And our journey with God will always take us to places where we will learn from experience how much God is worth. What I go through in life and what you go through in life is nothing but another opportunity for you to realize and experience how much God is worth. At one point, Jesus, after teaching the crowd, God fed them with only five breads and two fish. And I think many of you know this story. It's one of the most described miracles that Jesus performed in his ministry. But right after this miracle happened, it says in John chapter 6 that the Jews were disputing with Jesus. And they said this, John 6.30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread, says Jesus about himself, will live forever. Wilderness is also the place where we learn that we need spiritual bread as much as Israel needed the manna. Manna were these seeds, miraculous seeds, that God provided his people in the middle of the desert so that they could eat, so that they could make bread. 
And God fed his people for years with this manna from heaven. But the problem of those miracles, the problem of those earthly experiences, is that they ate the manna from heaven in the desert, in the wilderness. And that was great. But Jesus said, you know what happened to them? They died. Because that's not enough. Experiencing just the miracles in the wilderness is not just enough. You need to eat the spiritual bread that God has prepared for you. The wilderness teaches us. And sometimes there is a big wilderness in our own souls. The only one that is able to satisfy you is Jesus, the bread of God. Because there is a hunger and a thirst in the human soul that can only be satisfied by God. So God might take us to extreme places for you and I to realize how much God is worth. And in times of worship, when we sing, how great is our God, it's not possible to not remember why God is so worth it. How amazing, how great he is for all that he has done. Continuing the story in Exodus chapter 14. The Bible says, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant. Then Moses with the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Then Miriam the prophet Aaron's sister took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with trembles and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. After, right after the, the Red Sea was open for his people, right after God delivered Israel from his enemies, the people of God just erupted in praise before God. They didn't sing these verses the same way that I am reading that is very pale in comparison. Because what happened with, there was such a huge deliverance that the people just started shouting and dancing and proclaiming the goodness of God. Now in contemporary church, we tend to think of worship as a musical style. There is directed at God. And I do that. I go to Spotify and I search worship. And it's seen as, it's a style, it's something, it's just music that is directed at God. But that is very far from the truth. There is so far from the truth of what worship is. Song and music are just an expression of worship to God. Jesus said in John chapter 4, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship with drums and guitar and voice and in a nice auditorium with AC, do you, have you noticed that we have more ACs now? This is so nice. And thank you for all of you that 
chipped in this is our house this is the house of the lord and so we are still fixing it we're still gonna fix where the hot air goes but for now hopefully that is enough for us to be comfortable here but it's not what is mandatory to worship god those who worship him must worship they must worship how in spirit in truth so if worship is valuing god exalting god to a place of honor in your life and in my life then music is just one way of doing it it's just one instrument to do it our bodies are also a way to express our worship this is what richard forster a theologian says the bible describes worship in physical terms the root meaning for the Hebrew word we translate worship is to prostrate. The word bless literally means to kneel. Thanksgiving refers to an extension of the hand. Throughout scripture we find a variety of physical postures in connection with worship. Lying prostrate, prostrate standing, kneeling, lifting the hands, clapping the hands, lifting the head, bowing the head, dancing and wearing sackcloth and ashes. The point is that we are to offer God our bodies as well as all the rest of our being. Worship is appropriately physical. So when we read in scripture that the people started rejoicing out after everything God has done, they sang a new song. They started playing instruments. They started dancing. Now, there's no instructions when we have our time of worship. The music starts playing, and I know that I'm almost sure. I've been at Riverside Lisbon since the beginning. We, we celebrated six years now. We haven't had, like, very intense times of dancing. I'm Portuguese, and I'm a terrible dancer. But I do dance, and I like to move. And maybe if I put my thought into it, it, everything in me wants to express and declare my worship to God. That is why we lift hands. That is why we kneel. That is why our bodies need to express what is happening on the inside. But we won't do dancing classes to worship. I don't think there is a need for that. But it simply means that we can be free to worship the Lord. We should be free in our bodies to manifest the expression of our inner worship. We need to be a church that exalts God for everything that He has done. Because God transforms extreme difficulty into extravagant worship. You need to write this down because I came up with it. And it just sounds so nice. God transforms extreme difficulty into extravagant worship. Much better than when your, your football team wins the tournament. Much better than you hear the news that your wife is pregnant or that you are pregnant. Much better than... Having nailed the job interview and having the job of your dreams. Much better than any other good news that you can receive. Is to declare the goodness and experience the deliverer of God 
in your own life. When God changes and shifts the ashes into glory, when we experience that, there is no stop to our worship. But it's also a reminder from Scripture that worship always needs to happen inside. That is why Jesus is saying that we must worship in spirit and in truth. Because external manifestations without interior appreciation are offensive in the eyes of God. And Jesus said this very openly in, in Matthew chapter 15. He said, you hypocrites... Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. They worship me, but in vain. When we manifest our worship before God, it needs to be honest and it needs to be sincere. I have heard a few people tell me in the past, I don't really sing at church and I don't lift up hands because I'm not a hypocrite. I don't feel like doing it. But you remember what I said in the beginning. We don't worship God because we feel like it. We have to worship God because we have to recognize who he is. And when we do so, we worship him in spirit and in truth. It's impossible to acknowledge who he is and not to worship him in spirit and in truth. If, you, if we spend our time here trying not to be hypocrites, then we are wasting our time and God's time because we're not acknowledging who are we in the presence of. We have to acknowledge the presence of God and worship him with all that we have. And as the people of God advanced in the desert, God kept showing them what happens when they worship. And Exodus is full of beautiful episodes, and I absolutely love this one is in Exodus 17 and verse 8. The Bible says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held his hands up, one on one side, one on, on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. Some things happen when we worship God. And something definitely happened when Moses worshipped. As long as his hands were lifted, and this is a sign, a symbol of worship, the Bible says victory was closer. And this is just one example of a biblical truth that when we worship, God fights our battles. 
when we worship God in spirit and in truth, God fights our battles. When we choose to bring him honor and glory and reverence, regardless of the circumstances, it changes our story. I don't believe that this story is in the Bible so that we're a bit like superstitious. This is something that we need to do. Get two friends of yours and just lift your hands up as long as you can. I don't think that's the lesson here. But there's a spiritual truth that God allowed us to understand through this story. That is why it's registered so that we can understand what happens in a human soul, what happens in our lives when we choose to give God the honor and the praise that he deserves. When we choose to do so, when we fully recognize who he is, how much he is worth. Regardless of the circumstances, God fights the battles for us. And it changes everything. If you don't believe me, let's read 2 Chronicles chapter 7. One of the most quoted verses of scripture that brings us to our knees before God in worship. It says, if my people, if, and it starts with if because sometimes his people don't do it. Sometimes we do not do it. Let's not go more than that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Now, this is not business with God. This is not a trade with God. There is nothing that you can do that will make God be in more favor of you. We don't give tithes and offerings in order to do business with God. If I give God this, then I have a blessing. If I withhold from God, then I'm not blessed. Don't play that game. Because that is not true. We cannot buy God's favor. It is all by the grace of God. Giving is a privilege. Worshiping God is a privilege we have. God doesn't need our worship. He has in heaven hundreds of thousands and millions, I don't know, of angels who worship him day and night. He didn't create us so that we could compliment him. Worship doesn't create intimacy or a relationship with God. Worship is an expression of intimacy. We don't sing, we don't declare praise in order to feel more intimate. We do it because we know who he is, that we are saved by his grace, that we are dearly loved by him, that we are dearly accepted, that we're cherished by him, that there is nothing in the whole creation that can separate us from the love of God. And if that is true then we surrender in his presence and we worship. And when we do so, when we are humble, when we pray, when we seek his praise, this is worship. This is seeking God in spirit and in truth. Then God says, then I will 
hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins. Then I will hear their land. Because God always moves when we worship. And it's a privilege of His grace. Try trying to have a close relationship with someone without talking, without going out, without buying flowers, complimenting. We cannot expect anything from God if there is no love. If we don't have a relationship, this is the most natural thing. Every relationship needs to be nurtured. If this is true for our human relationships, I know that some of you are smiling. You haven't done that in a while. Especially with your special other. <laughs> Go buy some flowers today. It's such an indication of how we worship. It shows, and it can show, for ourselves as we examine how intimate are we being with the Lord that we declare that we love and serve. Worshiping Him is enjoying His love and enjoying His presence. And when we are in His presence, God can speak, God can heal, God can do miracles, God can do so much when we worship because He is God. And ultimately, it brings our hearts closer to God. Author C.S. Lewis said, In worship, we enter, touch, and are touched by the presence of God himself. We have been created to live like that. And notice in the passage that we read, at the end, the Bible says that Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. And it's so Beautiful, this expression of altar. Altar is a place of worship. It's a designated place where a person consecrates himself to God. And there are over 400 references in the Bible to altars. An altar always represented a place, a physical place of consecration. Now, we don't have that practice in the New Testament in the time that we live as a church. But in the church, in many churches, sometimes we call this area here in the front as an altar. Because it is a space. It is a dedicated place of prayer, of worship, of communion. A place where we, we consecrate ourselves to God. But it, like in this case, an altar was often built to commemorate an encounter with God that had a profound impact upon, upon someone. So we see in Scripture that Abram built altars, Isaac, Jacob, David, Gideon, and they all built altars and worshipped after having a very unique encounter with God. God did something so beautiful, so profound that they desired to create something tangible to memorialize it. Now, we don't, maybe I don't know if you do that very often. What are some altars in your life? What do you do when God does something? What, how do you want to remember what God did in your life? And I don't do many special things, but I was thinking about this. In Riverside, just this community, wherever we found ourselves, 
For me, it is an altar before God because this is a place where I've experienced so much of God in the past six years. So even the name Riverside, it, it comes into my heart as a very special place where God revealed and has been revealing himself to me. And I cherish that name. And many times as people go and come into Lisbon, we often hear those testimonies of how important Riverside was in their journey with God, of how God used Riverside to bless people. And that's what Riverside, and that's what any local church needs to be, a place where people have an encounter with God. And a very important aspect of altars is that they would also allow people to remember the acts of God for generations to come. Because worship involves remembering what God did in the past and to proclaim it into the future. Again, we don't have altars these days, but the responsibility is still ours to share the amazing things that God has done into the next generation. The Bible says that this is worship. In Joshua chapter 4, this is quite ahead in the story of in, after Exodus. But the Bible says this, Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that they, this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And I love this story that when God opened the Jordan River and allowed his people to walk completely and fully protected, God told them, take these rocks, put them in the middle. A place where if the water wasn't cut off, it would be impossible for the stones to be there. Exactly 12 stones. And every time that people would look into it, future generations, they would look at those rocks and the children would ask, why is that there? What does it mean? And it's an opportunity to tell them of the amazing things that the Lord has done. We are to let every generation and we want to be a community where we allow every generation to know the beautiful things that god has done and this week i want you to especially pray for a young man named nathan i don't know if he's part of the church i don't know if you know but right now he's in a youth camp a christian youth camp and the point is that they're going to be taught the word of god they're going to have a lot of fun but the point is they are meant to have an encounter with God in that place. So will you pray with, for Nathan this week? Pray that he has an encounter with God. Pray that God reveals himself to his heart. Because we, we do that at church, we try our very best that everyone gets the opportunity to meet with God. And so Nathan is there first and foremost so that we as a church, we support that in prayer that Nathan has an encounter with God. 
pray for the youth of this church. Pray for the youth ministry and especially in the Sunday morning. That's when during the Sunday morning when we have the youth ministries happening. Pray that the teachers have the wisdom and the grace to teach. Pray for the parents of the children. Because you have been a child before. You know how hard it was for your parents to raise you. Only you know how hard it was for them. And you haven't apologized yet, kidding. It's such an incredible responsibility that we have as parents to teach our children in the ways of the Lord. It is so important that we share with one another the things that God has done in our lives. That is why we meet in life groups. That's why we have precious moments that we share the good, the bad, and the ugly of the past, of the present, and our fears of the future because God is with us and he's worthy of that. And when we share, we declare the praises of God even before the miracle happens. On our website, we have this section called Stories at the Well. If you haven't checked out, please do so. Because many of you have decided to share your story of your journey with God. And when you choose to do so, not just at Riverside Lisbon's website, but when you choose to do so with your neighbors, when you choose to do so with your friends at work, when you are bold to do so with your relatives, when you're bold enough to do it with people that you have just met, God can use and will use your story, the altar of your life, to bring people closer to Him. Our stories can not only connect us, but they bring honor and praise to the God of our lives. Now I want to invite the worship team to come. And we, don't have, we call them worship team because there's no, I don't think better name to call them, but it's not because what they do is worship and what Dina is doing in the computer is not worship. Or what Antonio is doing in, in the computer is not worship. Or what people in the Connect team are doing is not worship. No. We have a renowned theologian in our church. Her name is Joe Deluche. Have you met her? And one of the most important quotes that I heard from her Jodé is an elder of the church, by the way. I don't know if she would like to be known as theologian, but let's just call her theologian. She was a big theologian when she said one time, everything is worship. And she couldn't be any more right. Everything is worship. Everything we do should be worship. Every decision that we make should be done in worship. Not in fear. Not in confusion. Not in us trying to protect ourselves. Not for us to try to have a good time. Everything we do needs to be done in worship. And when we do everything in worship, I promise you the word of God promises you it takes the pressure away.
Because when you do everything for the God that has the universe in the palm of his hands, why do we worry? What should we fear? Why do we feel anxious? When everything we are is to worship him. Our lives, and Paul said, either I live or die, it doesn't matter because I'm his. It's all for him. Now I want to finish before we continue worshiping with the worship team. There is a worship leader that I really love to hear her sing, and I and I, I think I love everything she says. I think I've been so blessed by the ministry of this woman. Her name is Darlene Check. And uh, some of you are younger than me. I think I think 85% of you are younger than me. Man, my how old I am, my goodness. But especially growing up, it produced such an impact for me to read and, and see her ministry. And she said this, and it's, I think it's a beautiful call and a beautiful way for us to go into a time of worship. Will you stand with me as I read you this, these words? And if you can apply also these words, what she says based in the word of God into your life, she says... Nowhere does the moment become more real to me than in worship. That's when I realize in every fiber of my being that the maker of heaven and earth has reached down to me, his servant. That's when I realize how unworthy and powerless I am to experience the magnitude of his sovereignty, of his power and mighty in my own strength. But his grace is abundant toward me each and every moment. And we still have some time together that we can experience this God. That we can experience the presence of the living God. Don't take this time for granted. Don't focus on anything other than him don't think about anything other than he is worthy of our lives he is worthy of our praise so let's praise him church let's surrender at his feet because everything that you need right now is to worship him we don't need a miracle right now we don't need to feel less burdens. We don't need anything other in this moment than to acknowledge the presence of God and worship Him. Father, we want to give you honor and praise right now. Help us to acknowledge your very presence in this place right now. That the words of Jesus were fulfilled when he said it is done it is finished nothing can separate us from you lord there is no sin there is no condemnation there is nothing in the whole creation that can separate us from you right now in this moment god so now lord we just surrender at your feet we surrender in your presence god and right now, we just want to seek you. 
we just want to humbly praise you and recognize who you are. Let us have this encounter with you right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus.